On behalf of a wholeness podcast and the Yoga Barber, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on the land in which this podcast is being recorded, the Gunai Kurnai Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Welcome to a wholeness podcast. A healthy home for hair professionals and our clients. I'm your host, Fliss Downs, aka The Yoga Barber. Come on in. Hey, hey, beautiful beings, how are you going? Firstly, I would like to take this moment to say this podcast is proudly sponsored by Earth and Soul Pizza. So if you are local to or traveling through Bensdale, use my promo code LOVEFLISS. That's L-O-V-E-F-L-I-S-S and get yourself a free large pizza when you buy one. With locally sourced produce and food exceptionally made by the team at Earth and Soul Pizza, be sure to get your wholesome, blissful pizza. On today's episode, I welcome James Hayes, an elite mindset and business coach, a man who has always been adventurous, curious and strong-headed. Being a school dropout, stepping into the Navy, becoming a drug addict, being faced with some true dark days to then travelling and living overseas. One of his biggest shifts in life was when he lived in India for six months, completed his 200-hour yoga teacher training and a 10-day for Patana. He now continues his adventures, but in an alternative way, holding knowledge and implementing biohacking, optimization, and action. He's one tenacious businessman owning a multi-million dollar business with his wife, both soon to be first-time parents. If there's a man who knows himself through and through, it is James. You can't judge a book by its cover. And that's one thing many people may do when they first set their eyes on him. I promise you, this is a belter of an episode. You know what I find really interesting is how you come from this background of trying to be hard ass, taking the drugs, being in the Navy, to them getting into this holistic approach and going through yoga teacher training, qualification, and to then creating a business. So in terms of where you come from and the start of your story, I know that you're northeast mm. of Bendigo. Is that where you grew up initially? Yeah, pretty much. So I grew up in, I was long story but yeah mainly like my conscious years primary school onwards was Echuca so north central Victoria right on the border of like Vic and New South mm-hmm. so yeah grew up there and didn't finish school just dropped out about year 10 and joined the navy so went down to Melbourne for that and then got posted up to Cairns Queensland and that's where I got posted for four years so that's where the journey began mm-hmm. yeah off the leash <laughs> what made you go into the navy what was that thought process dude i just young bloke just wanted a bit of adventure i think the main reason was when i was about 15 i went on this young program called the young endeavor which is so yeah young teenage kids go away and they on this sailing ship which is like a replica of the endeavor and it's really just a good little marketing campaign to try and get young blokes interested in the Navy. And yeah, had me hook, line and sinker and just went for it. Yeah. It's a little bit of a tough guy, ego thing. I was like, I'm joining the Defence Force, wanted to be that guy. But I've always just been one of those guys that just longs for that adventure and doing gnarly shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm from the Navy, from what I've listened to on the 
podcast, Real Drug Talk. You found yourself getting into drugs. Now, from what I'm understanding, it's on the steroid side of things, but also the psychedelic. And psychedelic is definitely something that I would love to dive into because I've experienced psychedelics myself. And I feel it's such a big topic around using it as a drug to just go and have a wild time, but then also using it as a drug to have a holistic experience and to gain clarity. And I've dabbled a little bit in microdosing with LSD as well. And I know LSD has been one of the drugs that you have used. From looking at your journey, being in the Navy, getting involved with drugs, what was it that took you into that journey of going you know what I'm going to go do steroids is there a specific moment that you remember of making that decision whether it was do you think it was a conscious decision or do you think it was an unconscious decision well it depends yeah what level of consciousness I was I was up to at that point in my life but it was obviously a conscious decision I have to take ownership of that decision and for some people it can be a really bad time for me it was for that for, for a pretty decent period to be honest but I, I think it was just, you know, when I was, I was the short, chubby kid in high school, wasn't very good at sports and all that sort of stuff. And I found the gym when I was like 15, I think, 15 or 16, and just just took a liking to it. I'm just seeing like a slow but sure change in my physique over the years and then getting into the defense force. It's like just a different beast because I'm 17 and you see some of these lads when you're in recruit school and stuff and you're like, oh, holy fuck, there's some machines in here. And then they start doing a bit of research and it's the lifelong issue with most people. It's just everybody wants the result straight away. And unfortunately, when you're a young, uneducated man, there is an option to fast track your progress. And when you are quite young and uneducated, I don't think you really understand what could happen and so that was yeah i think my first cycle i was like 18 so i was just helping on just getting jacked and just i wanted to be a beast and really just for insecurity purposes i wasn't confident in my own skin and felt like if i just became a big jacked unit then people would like me and feel better about myself and all that sort of stuff and these are to be honest these are all very this is a very similar narrative i think you'd find in most of these people that do this there's that like body dysmorphia it really just comes from a deep feeling of low self-worth, if that makes sense, no matter what caused that. But I think that's, yeah, reflecting back, that's definitely what it was for sure. Yeah. What have you learned, do you think, along the way about body image and the impact that it can have on what we do to our bodies? Obviously, body image for you back then, you was actually detrimenting your body. Yeah, body image doesn't necessarily reflect health. And unfortunately, you see all these physiques and people that are absolutely peeled to the bone and all that sort of stuff that it's actually, it's not a true representation of health. You can have a terrible looking physique, but your blood work's going to be pristine compared to, say, somebody that's on the source. And it's not a lack of education because it's, because it's there. I think it's, I think it's a lack of education with emotional intelligence and that kind of thing, yes. fixing the, because pe- pe- we have the education there to know like how damaging these things are to our body, um, but we don't have the education to help people so that they don't take the path in the first place. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah. And then moving on to the psychedelic side of things like LSD, do you recall 
the point in your life, the pivoting point of you doing LSD? Was you doing LSD and psychedelics whilst <clears throat> on um, get... steroids or were they separate yeah. occasions? Yeah, no, I was literally a walking cocktail for quite a few years, smoking cigarettes. But to, to be honest, I, I was straight down the line just with the gym and all that sort of stuff. And I was actually pretty much straight 180 outside of the anabolics until I was about 19, I think, which is quite late, I think, to start experiencing getting into recreational drugs. Yeah, so I got into recreational drugs and then with that adventure, that curiosity that I've always had, just having people and peers tell me about their LSD experience. And I remember them describing it like, you just won't understand it until you take it. And I'm just like, what do you mean? Well, just describe it to me. And they're like, I can't describe it to you. It's an experience that you just haven't unlocked yet in your fucking brain. Mm-hmm. And it's and that to me was just like, just selling the dream. I was just like, wow, what the fuck could they be talking about? I have uh-huh. to try this fucking drug. And then, yeah, I remember like clear as yesterday when the first wave came over on my first trip and I was just fascinated, fascinated by that. Just the, like, there's something else. There's a, there is a bigger experience and, I think anybody that has those experiences, it's very one with nature and the world's so much bigger than what you think it is and makes you question things and makes you open up your mind and your curiosity and which is quite fascinating at the start when there's no real repercussions. It's you can duck in and out of a trip and bounce back the next week and it's happy days. Whereas as time goes on, as most people know that have doubled into the scene, that it does come with its its baggage towards the tail end and, and then usually it can take a long time to really get your shit back in order. Yeah. So for me, I don't feel like I've got an addictive personality. So I've had three NSD trips in the last three years and probably very similar to what you experienced the first time. It's a profound, surreal mm. experience that you are just captivated by I was in awe of what I was witnessing it was just stunning what I was seeing Mm. and it wasn't even like hallucinations like I wasn't seeing spiders or anything like that it was I was just seeing everything just looking pristine and beautiful and glittery my first ever experience all I could see like I could see clear trees cars the sunset everything first but Christmas lights were everywhere. And the way that I could explain it was, I said to my friend at the time, I said, I feel like I'm in Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. And I can remember that feeling and just seeing red and green Christmas lights everywhere, twinkling. It was beautiful. And it's the way that I could explain it is, you know those Christmas balls that you shake and then you've got all snow coming down. It's all pretty. Yeah. That's yeah. I felt like I was in one of them balls. And I felt like I was in Christmas. It, it wasn't, oh, it's Christmas time. It was like I was physically in Christmas. <laughs> yeah, wow. So it was amazing. It was an incredible experience. And I've definitely chosen when I've gone on those trips. And I also chose consciously when to microdose LSD as well. But yeah. for you, am I right in understanding that you had a couple of occasions with it and then you got into the addiction side of psychedelics. A little bit, yeah. A little bit like, I guess you could say, it's a little bit fucking crazy, I reckon. Not crazy, but just going deep into it, deep into the the what if. And to be honest, I, I, I cherish experiencing that because I believe that it's giving me a perspective that isn't really 
it's it's not something that you can just get growing up in your local town and doing all the right things. It's a unique perspective, I think, that couldn't have been done any other way. And yeah, I'd say a little bit addicted. It's it more so just that, okay, how far can we push it? It's And I guess the first time is just so profound and you're chasing that, like how deep in the psychedelic experience can you go, which led to taking couple of like multiple hits at one time and then like, taking other drugs while you were taking lsd and then um and then i was just fascinated and hooked on you would have heard of dmt uh, dimethyltryptamine and obviously joe rogan was talking about it at the time it was red hot just when joe rogan was taking off and i was like wow there's something beyond the, the lsd experience and I read the book listened to heaps of documentaries and i just knew that it was like a serious investment if i wanted to really experience the, like the DMT realm, it was like potentially a, a no going back type thing. And, and yeah, so try gave that a bit of a nudge. And the first time I did it was actually really beautiful. It was like, we didn't break through or anything. It was just in the backyard and just had a bit of a very similar mushroom psilocybin experience. Everything was still intact and quite physical and just amplified and different textures and colors and that sort of thing. And then the second time that I did it, was when I was in a really dark place and I'd broken up with my ex-girlfriend. I was smoking cones, like smoking marijuana every day. And I'd just come off of anabolic steroids, cold turkey pretty much. And and yeah, long story short, it wasn't in a good way. And I thought that doing this was going to like open up some kind of change in me that was going to put me on a different path. And so, yeah, we had that experience and definitely broke through and went to the fucking the depths of the DMT realm. And I definitely got what I asked for, but it was a lot darker than I anticipated. And it definitely made me change my path, but it was just like a very dark, tough couple of years to get through, to be honest. It was, yeah, pretty intense. Do you know much about the psychedelic-assisted therapy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, like, I'm still super fascinated by it. I don't indulge in anything like that anymore. I have microdosed psilocybin on the odd occasion in recent times. So I'll have a 0.2 of a gram a couple of times a week before bed. And I've just found that I probably haven't done that in like over 12 months, to be honest. But yeah, and I have, I, I'm still fascinated by it. I still listen to a lot of podcasts around the, the psychedelic scene and the, the progressive discussions that are happening with it as a tool, as opposed to a recreational drug and yeah dude if there's a way that i can help pioneer that one day i definitely will the timing right now doesn't suit but i definitely would love to get into that space later on in life for sure yeah that's definitely something i can resonate with there just from mm. you know that experience of knowing what psychedelics have done for me on a mental health level and mm. through micro dosing lsd as well just for a couple of months mm. but, I think, God, when we think about the actual assisted psychedelic therapy, the changes that people could go through and the transformation that people go through on mm. having actual medical assistance, therapy mm. alongside the psychedelic experience, I reckon it could be such a positive impact when it's done in the right way. Like you said, if you was in yeah. a dark space with one of your trips and you've got a little bit more than what you was maybe betting for as such but yet you still welcomed it and the thing is you do have to welcome it don't you once you're on that journey there's no going back you've just got to go with it 
Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's it's definitely not for the faint-hearted, but it's it's definitely worth experiencing for sure. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super keen to see the because the science is already there. Like we know the benefits yeah, of absolutely. these yeah. things, small controlled environments. It's just getting. It's all about perspective and mindset, and it's really just. I think I, to be honest, I, without getting all fucking conspiracy theorist on on you, because I'm not a real, I'm not that kind of dude, but. I just don't think there's that much money in it and that's why it's getting held back. I think there's a lot more money in, and I think this goes without saying a lot of your audience would, would agree that big pharma and the pharmaceutical industry is just so much money to be made in masking mental health issues as opposed to fixing them. And the thought of being able to grow a fucking mushroom and a therapist assist you out of mental health permanently, there's no money in that. It sounds great. And that's, but I think as a society, we don't want that to happen. I know it's it's we're opening a big can of worms if we was to go down that topic, aren't we? Because it is like I get what you say without being a conspiracy theorist. Because a lot of people, when we do start talking about these sort of deep conversations, let's say a a large majority of society, they don't want to have that conversation. They don't Mm. want to up the the can of worms of oh Oh, no. But the, the big farmers actually wanting us to be ill because they're making money from us being ill. So but yeah. I think when it comes to the actual, the, the mental health space with the psychedelic treatments, I know you you might even know this yourself, but they've now legalised it in, I think it's Victoria, unless it's actually Australia nationwide, I'm not too sure. And just by over a period of time, allowing this treatment to become legalised, I think in the future, we're going to be seeing such a positive impact on people's mental mm. well-being through using yeah. psychedelic plant-based yeah. plant medicine and things. Yeah, such a fascinating thing. And like what you said, when people say to you, oh, you just don't know what you're going to experience, that only you can experience it when you and if you do experience a psychedelic trip. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. It's a phenomenon, that's for sure. Have you read the book? Fuck the author Rem Das. Mm. Have you heard of Rem Das? I'm trying to remember the name of the actual book. He's got two. He's got one. His second book was like Be Love Now, right? And the first one was it slipped my mind. Sorry, but yeah, he's a pretty sure he's a, an American psychologist who dabbled heavily into LSD and all that sort of stuff, and then he went over to India and basically yeah aligned with a guru over there, and then chose that path and i think he's only just died in the last yeah in recent years but he's got he's on netflix got a doco on there and i think you'd really enjoy it actually yeah yeah i'll give it a shot i have watched the netflix series how to change your mind i can't remember yeah yeah i can't remember the professor's name or the doctor professor and he's got a book out too but i'll definitely tune into that that would be a really good watch actually i think yeah i think you'd like it prior to you going to do your yoga teacher training and traveling to what I think you've been to like Vietnam, India and everything. You was dabbling in the psychedelic experiences prior to going on that adventure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, if you had to know me like prior to, and this is why I think it's still, even though it was dark days, this is why LSD is so fascinating. Prior to that phase of my life, I was very regimented, very right wing, very patriotic and all like 
just very straight down the line and this is how it is and it's black and white and I wasn't interested in going over to third world countries and very anti like very, very the boomer generation because I had a heavily influenced by man what he said goes and so I did have a quite a narrow-minded way of thinking and so to think yeah that after all of this experience and then I ended up going over to India for six months it was the only catalyst really that shift in perspective I think through experimenting with psychedelics and just being aware that there is a high power and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, and that was what intrigued me to go over to India, which is like one of the most wild, diverse, crazy places on the planet. And yeah, just go for a, a journey. It's interesting. One of the things that I I think a lot of people might even say this to you, but if we look at James and go, oh, his persona doesn't look like he'd be a holistic and spiritual and things. But <laughs> And it's funny how we can read a book, right? We can look at somebody and judge them by the, the image and things. But what holistic approaches and what spiritual things have you gone on to experience? What have you done along your journey to get you to where you are today. So from taking those, the, the drugs, the steroids, the psychedelics, to now being a multi-million business owner and on the path that you are on, being an elite mentor or coach and then wanting to franchise your business as well. I'd love to know that story, that journey of you prior to leaving Australia, going on this sort of, let's say, awakening path. What have you found over those years? What did you step into, such as your yoga teacher training? um, So my original plan was um, obviously to get off the drugs and go over and do my yoga teacher training and get into meditation. And my plan was to come back from my journey and then get into an alternative way of assisting other people to get off drugs so that was the goal and that was the plan at the time and so I went over and yeah did my 200 hour yoga teacher training I did the 10 days of silence the Vipassana meditation like full yogi spec went up to the Himalayas in Layla Dark like middle of winter so it was minus 25 degrees and we're just in these little cabins and it was just snow beautiful mountains and um, Vipassana meditation would have to be I think one of the best tools, I think that 10 days of, so if you're not too, if the audience isn't too sure of the past the meditation, it's 10 days of silence where there's no external stimulus, like there's no eye contact, there's no reading pictures or watching TV or anything like that. So when you walk to the uh, meditation room, you literally look at the ground, then you do about 10 hours a day of meditation and it's guided meditation. And then you go back to your cabin and you go to sleep and you wake up and you meditate for another 10 hours the next day. And the layers that you peel back and the understanding of self and responsibility for maybe why you are the way that you are. And I think that was the beginning of finding that self-love again and that self-confidence, to be honest, just being okay with not, um, not having to be or be anyone or prove anything or and and yeah so like when i was over in like i went from being jacked on anabolics like over 100 kilos moving weight to i went full vegetarian and i lost i was like 70 something kilos when i came back and just looked like a normal person and i was the happiest i've ever been i was comfortable in my own skin and and i think that's why i'm so tenacious with business now or it's definitely a big reason because 
I've been happy with that point of my life. I was quite content with living on $15 a day, living in a fucking teepee in India and eating one or two meals a day and just jumping on my bike and going for a ride. And I was okay with being that dude. And so I feel I can push really hard in business and just say the chips are down or it doesn't work out or I fail. It's not really going to shake me that hard. I'm happy in here. Um, I've done that work. And so that was pretty much what I got out of India, dude. Yeah, I did the, a lot of yoga when I was over there, like even after the training, continued to practice. A lot of meditation, continued to practice. And So I was in India for six months and then I went to Nepal for a few months and then I went over to the States. I went to Alaska to do a salmon season because I pretty much ran out of money. And I was like, well, a friend of mine that I was in the Navy with got me this job doing a salmon season on a boat in Alaska. And he's like, yeah, dude, really good money. It's pretty hard work, but it's worth a buck. And so I went over to Alaska and did a salmon season. And yeah, dude, I just remember being on the back of the fishing boat and I was having a cigarette and I was just like, this is fucked. This, this is what the fuck am I doing? I need to like... I wanted to continue to travel because I just love experiencing new things, but I needed to come home and find a way to become financially independent and sustainable. I was being, I was ind- independent, but I just didn't want to be trapped in that cycle of just like doing a shit job here, saving a bit of money for a few months, continuing to travel, run out of money, go back to a shit job. And I was like, I need to come back and I need to build some sort of machine that will give me the freedom that I want so that I can go and travel and experience life to the absolute fucking max, but without a budget and without having to worry about the trip ever ending. And yeah, dude, I came back and I was just on another level. I can't, there's no other way to put it because I experienced life at such a high caliber and like by high, high caliber, I don't mean like high ticket, like experience just experiences like two years. I was away for pretty much two years and I just, the things that I'd done and seen and people I'd met, it's just done parallel to 99% of people on the planet. And it's just like, I want to get back to that and, but do it on a different level. And so that in itself has just been an internal driver. And what do you do on a regular basis now for your health on the holistic side? So do you still practice yoga? Do you still meditate? Do you do breath work? What do you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis to help you function and actually be the person that you are today, which is a really driven person within your business and within your life? Um, dude, yeah, so I'm super strict. Like my routine is like pretty like non-negotiable now. It's like actually become like part of just what I do. I wake up and I just do what I do. It's not. It's no longer like a challenge, like I'm doing a 30-day cold shower challenge or anything like that. It's no, this is what I fucking do. This is, it's like having breakfast or having dinner. It's just part of what I do in a day. It's no longer, um, yeah, I call it the it's non-negotiable. And so I wake up around 5.30, 6 o'clock um, and I jump up. I have the same thing every day. So I just hydrate, pink Himalayan rock salt, um, black coffee with cordyceps mushrooms, and then I'll continue the morning routine. So I'll go and do exercise. So I'll do not high intensity in the morning. I usually just do anything to break a sweat, get a bit of blood flow. So whether a run or a salt bike or burpees or something like that. And then I'll do ice bath for five to 15 minutes. And then I do 10 to 20 minutes of breath work and meditation and then we're ready to attack the day and so that has to be done every day and a big portion of me doing that is like one i have put myself in a position with business and life that i need to perform optimally every day 
And then there's another portion that if I don't do those things because of the decisions I made in the past, the devil definitely creeps its way back in. And I can have some pretty dark days if I don't nurture my internal well-being. But as far as the yoga goes, I don't do anywhere near as much as I should. Usually it's at a time where I need to hit the mat. It's, it's all getting a bit too much. I'm getting a bit tense and I'll usually do a yin class. So I do a lot of yin. So yin for me and for any of the guys out there that, you know, especially bigger guys or bigger girls, yin is a really good practice because it's really nice long holds where you don't have to be an athlete. You're not sweating and thinking, oh, fuck, when's this going to end? It's a, it's a really nice opening relaxation yoga where everything's like three to five minute holds and you're really just opening up and you come out of it feeling just like, oh, how good is that? And yeah, a, a lot of my clients that have got anxiety and stuff like that, I suggest let's just try and get a couple of yin sessions in a week and not too much, just two, one, two, three yin sessions a week and usually before bed. And it's one of those ones that will make you a bit drowsy. And I think it's a really powerful tool that people can bring into their life for sure. Do you feel that your spiritual holistic journey, going to do the yoga, going to do the vipassana, do you feel like that's really created this approach to life for you? And do you feel like that's really been incorporated into the way that you coach people and the way that you've built your business? 100%. I only had a sales call the other day. And this guy jumped on and he knew about my business. He's a local fella. And he's, oh, look, I'm not interested in all the hippie shit or the training and nutrition and that. I just want you to help me grow my business. And I'm like, dude, you're missing the fucking fundamental part of like why I am where I am. There's no cheat code that I can give you that is going to grow your business. You have to become the operator that identifies with that kind of business. And... um. I think that's where a lot of people miss the mark. It's the, you need to create the identity of the individual that you would like to become and then you go after it. And yeah, so it is a big part of all my clients. It's, that is the focus. It's getting to that place of internal momentum where you have everything stacked up. You're eating whole foods, your nutrition's bang on, you don't have brain fog because you're eating processed foods and rubbish and energy drinks and sugar and all that sort of shit. It's like whole foods stick to your calories that you're supposed to hit, get your exercise in the morning, get that blood flow, cold therapy, stretching, exercising of an afternoon, doing a bit of yoga, absorbing the right content. Like it's a no brainer guys, but everybody thinks it's, it's not, you're a fucking fitness freak. No, bro, I'm not a fitness freak. I'm very far from a fitness freak. I'm trying to get to the next level kind of guy. And this is what you need to do. And yeah, and that's what has worked for me. There's a lot of successful dudes out there that, probably laugh at that and think oh you don't have to do all these things it's maybe not for you brother but you might not have reached your you might be so fucking good at what you do that because you're not doing all these other things you still haven't reached your potential whereas for me i know that i have to do these things to reach my potential and i guarantee it i don't care who you are it doesn't matter i don't care how big your business is if i came into your operation and i changed all of these fundamental things the internal things i know that they would thrive and do better than what they are 100%, 100%. And how important do you think it is to have a mentor and a coach to help one exceed and excel in their direction? It's a big it's a big step for some people. People will look at investing in a coach and they'll go, oh, 
you know what, it seems a little bit expensive because it's not a tangible thing. So you'll see young pea platers, 18-year-olds going out getting loans for $40,000 for a fucking new Hilux because it's a tangible thing. But they wouldn't go and get a loan out and spend $40,000 on a coach to turn them into a millionaire by the time they're 30. And I was a little bit like that as well. Really not too sure about the coaching space, but I'm always investing in self-development. Like I've been to Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power Within. I've definitely got mentors. I've got social mentors, people that have come into my life that I've been lucky where I've been able to identify them and ask the right questions and keep them in my life. And then I've invested in financially as well in, in mentors. And I wouldn't be doing what I am right now if I didn't didn't do that. Yeah, it's, just, it's essential. And it's just as much essential. A lot of people will leave this out. They'll look for the mentor, but they won't look to have mentees. And um, obviously parents will, but I think it's important on a business or a self-development spiritual level, you need to have mentees. And for those that aren't aware of mentees, it's people that are, where you were five, 10 years ago and you're helping them navigate their way forward because it keeps you at a higher level because you have to perform for them. So you, then you feel obligated to work for your mentor, you feel obligated to work for your mentees and then you should just have that internal driver as well. So I think it's important to have both, yeah. yeah. And at what point throughout your business, because you've got your, obviously you've got your tyre company and then also your coaching business, which one, came first I'm, I'm very early in the social media game yeah i've only been going for a few months with the coaching i've had a couple of mentees that i've caught up and had coffees with and stuff like that but actually trying to grow my social media presence and scale an actual coaching business that's yeah only the last few months for me i just it's something i've always wanted to do and i just wanted to make sure i felt qualified enough to do that and there's definitely a certain level of individual that i can coach up to but i think for the most part we have reached a pretty high level in our business we do nearly a million dollars a month in revenue um and we are looking to franchise we've got about 20 employees we've got a freight company as well and a wholesale business and a dropshipping company so we've got a few fingers in a few pies and we've been through the ring with multiple situations in business where i do feel qualified i can assist with helping other people thrive yeah so I, I love it, dude. I honestly, like I said to my wife, I was like, I wish I had the tools to do this so many years ago, but I had to, you have to walk the path before you can help other people. Absolutely. And so what point in your business did you find that sort of golden moment of going, fuck, this is something big. I'm making money I've never made before. I'm witnessing success. Now I can actually convert this to coaching at what point was that golden moment of realizing that and tuning into that sort of inner self going, oh, wow, I've got myself here. Mm. There's always a little bit of an imposter syndrome when things start to happen quickly. And for us, we've grown that business. We started from zero like four years ago. It was four years in September. And so I've always had a bit of a scarcity mindset. It's the wrong word, but a fear of, because like we started from scratch. And so if we didn't make it work very soon, it wouldn't have been able to pay the bills and all that sort of stuff. We didn't have a lot of working capital at the start. And so I've always just had that fire under me. And even as things continue to compound and grow, like now it's just such a big machine, like it'd be very hard to fuck it up. But I've still got that go in me as if it was the first six months. 
But I don't know, I just got to a point, like I said, I've always wanted to do it. I just, I've always been obsessed with you know, biohacking and optimizing my uh, routine and feeling my absolute best through my habits and rituals. And and then uh, just talking to some friends and I ended up reaching out to a mentor six months ago and he got me over the line. He's just like, dude, you're doing other people a disservice by not helping them get on the path. And if you've got the tools, and I talk about this so much, if you've got a surplus of energy, if you've got that fire in your belly, it's you're doing other people disservice by not passing that on and passing on the torch, passing on the flame, because some people need that. And if you're one of the, I won't say lucky ones, because it's taken a lot of hard work to get to the point where I do have expendable energy and I can pass that on to other people. But if you've got it, it's so important that you pass it on. It's I always say, think about like the version of you, however many years ago, you need to create the person that that guy needed. Yeah. And how have you overcome that imposter syndrome, that self-doubt, the fear? Do you still experience it today? 100%. I'd be lying if I said I didn't get imposter syndrome. Sometimes like crippling. Dude, I, I have days where the pressure is just so much with everything that's going on. That I'll be honest, like, like I, I can't even leave the fucking house. It's just, it's that intense. And just if it's stacked up with a couple of late nights for whatever reason, whatever the reason is, and I'm fatigued. And yeah, dude, I, the, the darkness definitely creeps in. It's just like, what are you doing? Well, you're in charge of all these people and you've got this... Like at any one time, the size of our business, we've got like well over six figures out like to the customers owe us. So like by the end of every month, we are, we're relying on two, three hundred thousand dollars or more to come in on time just so that we can, you know, pay our suppliers. And um, that, that financial pressure can be intense and nobody can prepare that you for that going into business until you get to that level. Um and yeah, sometimes the imposter syndrome does creep in. It's just fuck. Like, what am I doing? Like, how did I get here? Am I going to be able to pull this off? And when things happen in like turbulent times, and you're like, oh shit, again, what am I doing in this situation? How did I get here? Am I the right man for the job? It's but I think in time, and if you can, if you keep stacking up the wins, you see the reflect. And and I think that's when gratitude comes in, and why gratitude is just so important, just to stop still for five minutes and just say, holy fucking shit look at where I was a few years ago or look at where I was for me. It's look at where I was six months ago. Um, look at where I was 12 months ago, which is very short window. And I'm just like, Holy fuck. Was that only six months ago? Jesus. Did we really come out the other side of that? Oh my God. It's just like, I'm a beast. I'm a fucking savage. And, um, I think you just have to go through, go through those. Yeah. Keep up with your mindfulness and you, you, and just being grateful with, um, sharing your wins with your loved ones, like with your partner or your friends and reflecting on those times. And yeah, dude. Yeah. I think that's the only way out of it is just having gratitude. Do you ever give yourself, you mentioned about you can wake up some days and just be so overwhelmed on those days mm. to actually surrender and give yourself that time to come to a state of going, okay, I need a bit of time out because this is overwhelming. Do you, I'm trying to think of the word, but I want to use, give yourself permission. Do you find that you give yourself permission and surrender in moments when you, when that darkness does come over you? Because as much as you've gone through some really heavy times in your life and everything, this heaviness by the scenes of it now is very different to the sort of heaviness and the darkness that you've had in the past. And you've got the tool 
tools and the mechanisms to help you through a moment of overwhelm, darkness. Oh my God, what am I doing? Imposter syndrome. So yeah, do you give yourself that space if you are on one of those days and you wake up and you feel dark and overwhelmed? Yeah, definitely, dude. And I guarantee that the reason why I can handle that, that that kind of pressure and I do get through those turbulent times that business has to offer, I think it's because I battled that internally years ago. And again, that's deeply grateful for the bad decisions that I made. Sometimes, dude, it probably happens once every six months, maybe, where I just, just crumble internally because I'm go, go. It's six, seven days a week. Um, we've got 20 odd staff that are pushing their emotional baggage onto you as well. And just your own personal shit that you're going through. And sometimes, yeah, it's just too much. And I just go, I just fucking cannot face the world today. And I guess you could say, yeah, surrendering and just going, I've just got to ride out this day. I've just got to battle this fucking demon today. And then tomorrow's going to be a new day. And then there's other times where I wake up and it's like that. And it's just, dude, um, what I'm really trying to work out at the moment is some sort of system that I can implement so that when I do have this emotion or this feeling, I can revert back to some sort of tool or something that gets me to just move. Because at the end, when you're in a really shit spot, the difference between where you are now and just feeling maybe even just a little bit better or sometimes even 10 times better is literally just like hydrate, movement, get that blood flow, cold therapy, and have a shower, get on with your day. And the amount of times that I've woken up in the morning, I'm just going, fuck, I can't deal with the world today. And then just, dude, just fucking put your runners on, get outside. It's like in the middle of winter, cold, dark, raining sometimes, and just like just going for the run, get into the ice bath and attack the day. And 99% of the time, when you fucking do that, when you get that blood flow, like this, the shift in your psychology is almost instantaneously. And so sometimes it's just a matter of making that decision when you're in that dark place. You're going like, dude, movement, let's go. Getting outside and not sitting at home. And and like I said, it's probably like once or twice a year that it does get overwhelming and it does get like that. And I just cannot shake it. But yeah, it's there's, there's definitely tools for, to fix it for sure. Yeah. So you, you're one for more so, no, I've got to move with this emotion rather than sit with this emotion. Yeah, 100%. And which, 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 which could be the wrong way of looking at it. Sometimes maybe we need to, and there's probably a reason why I'm in that spot because it's my inner world saying, James, you need to fucking woo up, mate. You need to have some James time. You need to have a long weekend away with your wife. You need to switch the phone off. You need to just do some self-care because when you are, you do get in this sort of machine mode where it's pushed through that emotion, fuck this, fuck that, just keep going. And it does work, but it's finite. It's mm-hmm. And I'm a, a big believer because like, there's a lot of influences that I listen to that like David Goggins and Jocko Willink that keep pushing through it and keep pushing through it. And I do agree with that. And I do think there's tools there with that mentality, but I'm also a bit of a deep sort of emotional dude where I feel like I can bring those tools into a life where I can still be aware of my emotions, have good, healthy communications with my thoughts, good, healthy communications with my wife and soon to be my kid. And yeah, trying to find that equilibrium between the two worlds of emotionalist machine and tree hugging 
chilled out hippie that I once once was. And I think the two combined is like the perfect beast to really have a cool, ambitious and rich life. Because mm. these two are so far apart, but yet they so complement one another. Mm. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. And so also going back, one thing that I'm really curious of, you actually said earlier on it used to be just like black and white and I was looking at your branding and it's black and white right and I was thinking oh <laughs> is this a reflection of James's personality because your branding's black and white very masculine very structured and I was thinking is this a reflection of James and is he a black and white guy is he like there's no gray zones so do, does your branding reflect who you are today because you have said that used to be this really black and white guy, it's either this or that. And then as time's gone on, you've eased out of that hardness. I would say with my life experience, like black and white would be the wrong way of putting it. But I would say I'm not agreeable. I'm very opinionated just through the experience that I've had in life and I need to see results and um, so I'm black and white in a sense that I've been there, got the postcard, this is what works. But I'm also very open to change, new ideas and possibilities. So I wouldn't, yeah, black, black and white, To I guess I'm drawn between those two worlds. I think like on, on, a, on a facade level, on a surface level, I'm probably quite black and white. But on a conversation level, a deeper conversation I think you'd find yeah I'd be a lot more colorful and open to pretty much everything dude I've done some weird and wonderful things over the years and it hasn't been from being a black and white person so yeah I think I'm drawn between worlds for sure yeah. and now you find yourself in the coaching space so yeah from what I'm understanding your predominant audience is guys and with the coaching side what is it that you specialize in because you've obviously built your big business you're going into franchise so who are your type of clients who comes to you at, at the start i guess it was a bit of a open one but like most things the riches are in the niches so i'm really trying to double down and and plus make my job easier if i've got a specific avatar then i can cater all my energy into that person and so i really think it's that Definitely men from age between like 25 and say 45 that are in small business and are really just struggling to find the balance and find the balance like that energy, that confidence, unaware of the next steps and so and service-based businesses. So usually retail or trade services hands-on as opposed to the internet realm. There's obviously like a lot of internet gurus and dropshipping gurus and all that sort of that sort of stuff in the coaching space, whereas mine's a bit more trade services, people with real businesses in the community offering services to real people and yeah, customer service. And essentially that's they're the businesses that I've been good at building. And so retail, dealing with staff that are working for you in labor roles and which has been good. So that like our group calls that we have every Monday. Uh, and what I say to the boys is essentially it's all the same fundamentals in business. At, at the end of the day, we're just selling either a different product or a different service, but the fundamentals are all the same. It's all the same sort of marketing, HR, sales. It's all very similar. So the conversations in the group call can be quite valuable depending 
doesn't matter what business you're in. I think we've got a barber in there. Yeah, Jimmy the barber, and we've got pressure cleaning business, welders, yeah, all, all sorts of different trade services. Um, and then I just help them out with training and nutrition and biohacking and like all those little tips and tricks that I've implemented into my life so that I've become more optimal and um, I think work more efficiently and um, work and, and sometimes just help them with their well-being because you know, there's a lot of guys that are struggling with the pressure and trying to be good dads but at the same time run a good business but at the same time they're not looking after themselves. So it's really just trying to bring all that together by fixing their habits and rituals. And when you're working with your clients, I know that from one of your posts, you was basically saying, if you're not good at marketing, if you're not good at systems, source somebody to do it for you. But let's say we've got a client who is in the startup point of their business and they come to you and they're the X, Y, and Z, this is what I'm wanting to do. I'm great at this, but I'm not great at this. These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. And I know your recommendation is to outsource somebody who is strong in your weakness. But if you've got a client that isn't in the financial position to source out somebody with that expertise, what's the alternative? What would you suggest to that client? That's that's what builds you as an operator. And at the very start, you are the person wearing all the hats. And whether you like it or not, that's what you got to do. you got to do the paperwork, you've got to deal with the customers, you've got to look for staff, you've got to do your branding and your social media marketing and you've got to do the fucking work. And so that that is a big portion of my client base would be those guys that are in that sort of very infant stages of just started the business or two, three, four, five employees and still very much in the business as opposed to working on it. So it's really about just helping them navigate the best steps forward from there so they can actually get their time back and they can actually allocate funds into other areas so that they can outsourcing those things so that they become more time rich as well as more financially rich, which, you know, is a hard one to navigate at the start for sure because, yeah, you are that guy wearing all the hats and say, okay, I've got all the hats on, so which hat do I take off first and give to somebody else? And I just try and bring some clarity around that because a lot of people really struggle employing people at the start because, Usually when you need to employ someone, financially you're right on the borderline there, but you've got no time. So it's, you can't grow because you're just at this point where you haven't got the money to put anybody on and you can't grow your business because you've got no time. So usually it's just really giving the people the confidence to say, this is the time when you employ. And 99% of the time when you're at that point and you bring on that employee, then all of a sudden that frees you up and then you can grow your business and you can more what you can do more work and then start bringing in more cash flow and then all of a sudden you got your second employee on it really giving people the confidence and awareness that that's how it rolls you're never going to have enough revenue in there and you're going to be and you're going to have profit at the end of your first employee it's you have to take the punt and a lot of people don't want to take the risk yeah it's a scary situation to be in isn't it i'm doing all of this and for instance, they could be working a full-time job whilst trying to get their own gig off the ground. So they're, let's say, 38 hours of the weeks on an actual employment job whilst they're trying to set up a business of themselves. And then, they're, like you say, they've got all the hats on and then they need to employ somebody onto their business to be able to take on even one job. And that's the point of where your uh, business could really pivot. But because you've never witnessed that, 
you don't mm. know whether the investment's going to be worth it. Yeah, 100%. And again, we, like what we talked about with the um, imposter syndrome, it's just like you, you don't have that internal confidence because you haven't got any wins on the board. And I, I really think it gets easier to scale your business um, sort of the bigger you get because the more reps you've got and the more wins you've got, and then it builds that internal self-confidence because it's just like, oh, well, I've done that before and it fucking worked. I made, I made this gamble, this I made a strategic move here and it fucking worked. It's like, oh. And then you had another strategic move over here and you're like, oh, fuck, that worked as well. Fuck, I know what I'm doing. I'm feeling pretty confident. And, yeah. it's just, and, that's, and that, that, that's what turns you into, I think, a confident, successful operator. And in the same sense, fuck, I've got this idea. Let's roll this out. And it doesn't work. And it fucking costs you a lot of money or it costs you an employee or it costs you a customer, a really good customer, like a good client or whatever it might be. But then you go, okay, I learned from that. Touch the stove. It was fucking hot. Okay, move on to the next one. And that's how you become a better operator as well. It's using that intuition, then taking a calculated risk and then learning from the result or growing from it. Mm-hmm. Nice one. I love it. There's one last thing that I want to touch on. Um, yeah. It's this... Obviously, you and your wife, Jemima, work together from, from what I'm seeing in terms of she's part of the Alpha Tires business. How's that dynamic with you both? Does she have her own business or do you both work on the businesses that you are in together? She's the boss. She's yeah. the boss. Yeah. She's the, fucking, she's the fucking boss, I tell you what. Now, I say to everybody I talk to, to be honest, mate, and people ask me, oh, fuck, how do you pull off what you're doing? And I said... I've got a very good wife and I'll be completely transparent with that. She's the backbone in our operation. I'm very much like sort of vision, risk adverse. She's very calculated systems, back end, and yeah, pulls me back when I need pulling back. But, and it's taken a few years again, what we talked about with the self-confidence, your wife or partner or husband, it, it takes a few reps and a few wins to build that confidence. Early, early days, I would want to do X, Y, and Z, and Jemira would be like, you know, just keep doing what we're doing. It's working. And I'd want to move the needle a bit more. And there's a lot more sort of pullback. But then as things progressed and we started getting those wins on the board, our trust and our relationship continued to get even better as well to a point where it's like, we're doing this. And she's like, okay. Let's see how we go. You know what I mean? And I'll back you. Sweet. Let's see how you go. <laughs> but if it didn't work out, she'd be like, I fucking told you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, it really upsets me when I, I speak to other blokes, other guys, and uh, I'm like, oh, how do you, you and your wife? Oh, no, nah, mate. No. Nah, the wife's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, keep her out of it. And it's just like, it's just, you're missing out on so many aspects of your relationship here, and you're missing out on so many Oh no, it's bigger than just your business. I think working with your wife and or working with your partner, it's the relationship that it builds when you're both working towards the same goals together and going through the same fucking emotional trauma together with the, a key staff member leaves or you've got a bad debtor that owes you 20 grand and hasn't paid for going through all these ebbs and flows together. And I just think it just, I think we've just grown as a couple so far beyond, I think, where anybody else could if they just if they didn't work together. And um, so I encourage so many people, if you're getting into business or if you're in business, like just find a way to involve one another because um, 
you know, cause when I first started, she worked in government and um, she was there and she wasn't really enjoying it. And I was going for about 12 months and I was starting to, again, wearing all the hats and I was just like, this is fucked. Um, I need your help. Can you come and help me? Lifeline, th- throughout the lifeline. And <laughs> it took a fair bit of convincing, but she eventually left a, a pretty decent career that she had been she'd been working on a career through uni and stuff like that for a decade and then she meets me and was just like come and work in my tire shop it's it's a fucking big move it's you know yeah. for financially her her ego her independence so many things that would have had to change inside of her if, just mm-hmm. to accept that move and then come on board but once i think once she started to learn the craft and again build that confidence like she loves it dude and we love working together it's a it's yeah. awesome I've I've loved watching your um, Instagram page because I've I started following you from early August, which is when we both connected, and I've loved watching your posts between the two of you over the last few months. And I actually saw mm. a post on Instagram the other day, and it said, "Forget soulmates. People are now looking for their financial flame," and I really clicked with that. And I, I don't have a partner right now, but. I'm certainly wanting to be with somebody where I can build that powerful dynamic to ignite that financial flame like between me and that person. What's your thoughts on that quote? Yeah, forget soulmates. People are now looking for their financial flame because I see that in you and Jemima. 100%, yeah. And I think some people that are a bit too woohoo would be like, oh, financial flame, is that what a relationship is? Blah, blah, blah. It's bigger than money, guys. It's bigger than money. It's not about fucking money and material stuff. It's about, it's really just about working together and building something and then seeing it come to fruition. That's the flame, that part, that the experience of, yeah, having an idea when you're having a couple of wines on a Saturday night together and just having a quiet one in, watching a movie or even just outside on a nice summer's night having a couple of drinks and just coming up with an idea and going, fuck, it's a pretty good idea. And like mutually having this like excitement for this thought that you came up with together and then implementing it and then putting in the work and going through the hardships and then coming out the other side and seeing it like actually happen. And even we've been going pretty hard seven days a week, six, seven days a week for four years, dude. And just this year, 2023, yeah, we only, we went to Queensland a couple of weeks ago and that was our first week full week off away from work for the whole year and the year before that our our first holiday was um, a honeymoon and we went away for 10 days and we hadn't had a holiday for two years prior to that and and so we're just about to have a baby in a couple of months and so 2024 for us is just we want to try and do as much traveling as we possibly can with the baby and finally pulling off and reverting getting a bit distracted but when I came back from overseas and I was about to start my business, I was with one of my best friends and we were chilling out one night and I said, just remind, just tap me on the shoulder if I get too far down the path and forget why I started. And he's, what do you mean? I said, I'm going on this journey of building a business, but I don't want to turn into that person that lives for work and not creating a business to live. And I said, so if I get too far down the path, like in five, 10 years and I'm the fog of war has, has got me stuck in this system. I said, you need to let me know. And I only reflected on that a little while ago. And and that was the reasoning behind rolling out the franchise model. And so that we can, because I got into business to build a machine, 
to be able to go and experience life again with now my wife and my kid. And it's so why are we push pushing in all these other areas? We need to be like refining what we're doing. So that 2024, like next year, so coming up to our fifth year in business, but we will have pulled off what we started, came, came here for, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, getting to that point with your partner where you've worked for a very long time, very hard and sacrificed so many things to get to that point where you've actually fucking pulled it off. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's worth, it's worth it. And you have to find your person, mm-hmm. your person. And you don't want to be living in silo. My wife says, yeah, working in silos. It's like, you want to be rowing the boat the same way. Both of you have an oar in each hand and just going for it, going to that, that, that destination together and enjoying every bit of the journey together. Yeah. Amazing. I can't wait to see where you get to next because, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying your journey on social media for sure. So, yeah, so basically people can find you on Instagram as well as YouTube at Rambo as Bro. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are those your two main contact faces where people can hit you up? Yeah, pretty much, mate. I do a bit of TikTok, but yeah, not really a big fan of the TikTok scene. So I just <laughs> in- that, Instagram. Are you a millennial? I'm I'm 34. Yeah, 31. 31 yeah. Right. Oh my goodness! Like we're in that millennial phase where we're just like <laughs> Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Through the TikTok and Snapchat. Yeah. Do you Snapchat either? No, no, no. It's just yeah, just Instagram, dude. I just started the YouTube early days. Yeah, I know. I started watching. Man, what an epic conversation I had with James. I was in absolute awe of how confident he is talking about his past vulnerabilities and sharing where he is at today. A true inspiration and I hope to have James back on in the future. Please do follow him on socials. Links will be in the show notes. And if you have an inkling that James could help you with your business, health and life, I urge you to reach out to him. Next week, I welcome back Tim Shelton from episode 15. This time, though, nothing to do with him being a pharmacist, instead being a nomad. In the meantime, stay tuned and stay real. Join me every Wednesday for a wholeness podcast. I'll catch you real soon. Peace, love and light.